Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy For Me and as you can probably tell it's early on Saturday morning because I've got the sound in my voice of somebody who's not been awake very long and has just had about a mouthful of his first mug of tea. So um, I'll I'll power through and see how I get on Um, but the reason I'm recording now is I tried to record this last night and to be honest I just wasn't feeling it it just wasn't coming together um I was out at the cricket uh, again watching Josh play and I had I had a couple of goes and it it just wasn't it wasn't working so I don't know if I'm going to change some of the subject things I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do to see if I can make it work um if you're listening to this I've clearly managed something if you're not listening to this then Obviously, I didn't manage something, and if you're not listening to this and I didn't manage something, I'm not quite sure what is now happening in the future, Um, which seems a little worrying. But the one thing we can be certain of is before we do anything else, we'll have a little bit of that twangy guitar. How hard, reasonably, do you think it can be to put up an umbrella? Um, And you're going to answer the question, well, it's not particularly hard to put up an umbrella. Now, my little umbrella that I carry around with me, um, my kind of travel umbrella, I guess, uh, which I really like. I really like my little umbrella. Um, I don't know why I'm telling you about it, but yeah, I really, I've always really liked it. It's it's one of the, the small kind of ones with a round handle. Um, it's got a round wooden handle and it's a little black umbrella and it's got the button that makes it pop up and pop out. And then you, you kind of, you know, use a wall or something to push it, to push it back in. And it's, and it's, it's fab. I love that. So I'm quite, I'm quite okay with that umbrella. That one's fine. Where I've started to have umbrella issues, um, is with, um, my fishing umbrella, which I used for the very first time last week. So I went fishing with a friend, um, last Sunday uh, and I, I took it with me, but I, and we weren't really expecting it to rain, and it and it did rain, and it rained quite hard. Um, and I think I'd mentioned before, I don't know if I did mention, I'm sure I mentioned about my fishing chair, which I'm really really pleased with. And um, the problem then becomes, if you have kind of a layout, a way of a way of working when you're doing anything, but certainly when you're doing something like fishing. It was then trying to insert the umbrella into the mix to get the umbrella to kind of work. Now, this umbrella's not small, but for whatever reason, I could not get this umbrella into the ground at an angle or in any kind of way that meant that it covered either my legs um, or the 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 you know the back of my chair and um, and I guess my back. Um, and and theoretically, if I if I just held it in my hand, it would have been absolutely perfect but I just couldn't get it to do the thing I wanted to do now part of it was down to the fact the ground was quite hard so I was struggling to get it in the ground which meant that it was wobbling around and it wasn't sitting at the right sort of angle and the other thing of course is the fact that the worst time to put up an umbrella is when it's raining Um, what you should really do is put up an umbrella before it rains and get it exactly where you want it and get it all organized because when it's raining it's never going to go the way you want it to go Um, now it, all it meant was I ended up with wet legs. 
So I was under this umbrella, and it was raining quite hard. I was under this umbrella. And by the way, fishing in, in the rain is quite relaxing. I'm under this umbrella, um, and I just couldn't make it work. So it's dripping off the front. And the worst bit's not where your legs are getting wet from the rain. It's where your legs are getting wet from the big drip that's coming off the edge of the umbrella. That was the annoying one, because they were, they were, they were big drops. Um, I realised this is very much, very much uh, a, a first world problem. Um, but... I ended up getting wet. I ended up abandoning it. As, it. as it started to ease a little, I just abandoned it. thought, well, I might as well get wet because I'm more annoyed by my legs getting, that bit of my leg getting wet than I am about whether I all got wet, really. Uh, and I did the one thing I probably should have done, which is I had had my coat on the back of my chair all the time. I actually put my raincoat on, which was a, probably a better idea. Um, but what it's prompted me to do, and I'm really quite excited about this now, um, it, it prompted me to order uh, an umbrella uh, bracket for my fishing chair. Um, so this and this umbrella brackets come. So now I've got something that will clamp to the side of my chair that is designed for an umbrella. And I can only hope that because of that, the positioning thing will now work its way out. So the next time I go, irrespective of whether it's bright sunshine, I'm going to have to try out my new umbrella clamp. So if you see anybody um, on the side of a, of, a, of a pond with an umbrella up uh, on a day where you don't need an umbrella... Just think that they might be trying their new umbrella clamp out. Tuesday. I think I mentioned in previous episodes that I'm quite a fan of Ghostbusters. In fact, I think I mentioned when I sat and watched it fairly recently. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you why, uh, because it doesn't really hold up in any way, shape or form. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a great piece of music and, and I love the theme tune. Um, but there's not a lot, really. Um, the, the scripts are okay. It's funny. Uh, it's clearly a vehicle for Bill Murray. Um, it, it, it just, you know, but, it, but they are what they are. They are what they are. It's not something you can critically appraise, particularly. Um, but it meant that when the new Ghostbusters Afterlife came out, because that was harking back, it wasn't a reboot, it was harking back um, to the original uh, the original couple of films, I really, really fancy going to see it. And for whatever reason, because Josh and I had talked about going to see it, and for whatever reason, we didn't make it to the cinema to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, it's appeared on um, TV this week. It's... Um, it's part of the Sky Cinema package, and we get the, the Sky Cinema package as part of our Virgin deal. And I, I can't say I watch it a lot. We watch the sport far more than we watch the films, but it does mean I keep an eye out for new stuff um, coming out. And um, and and so I sat down, you know, pretty much straight away to watch it. Um, and 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 do you know what? Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, it's what I like about it. Is I feel exactly the same way about it. I did, I did the original films. I can't tell you it moves the dial. It's a little bit saccharine in terms of the, the way they they treat the ending. Um, I thought the performances of the kids was were, were great. I was charmed by all of the, the the characters in the way that I was charmed by all the characters in the original. It's pretty much a rehash of the original film to a certain extent. Um, but you know what? It was just a lot of fun. And I think that's the bit, I guess, is remembering that cinema is just a lot of fun. And maybe that, maybe it's a shame I didn't get to see that film in the cinema because maybe that would have been the perfect place to see that film. That film was a popcorn blockbuster. Um, 
and and relatively quickly forgotten, you know, afterwards, but definitely in that popcorn blockbuster kind of mold because it wasn't pretending to be anything that it wasn't. And that's the bit I guess I really liked uh, in the end. So if you've got a couple of hours to spare and you want to you want to enjoy the time rather than use the time in a way that you think is productive or life-altering or mind-expanding, then you could do a lot worse than Ghostbusters Afterlife. Wednesday. It's hard watching your football team lose um, a playoff. It's hard watching your football team lose any game. It's hard watching your football team lose a playoff um, semi-final when you're so close to a trip to, to Wembley. Now, to a certain extent... I'm not too disappointed um, because I couldn't have made Wembley anyway. Um, we were on holiday when the, the final is. Now, that might have worked out quite well because I've not seen Sheffield United win a game at New Wembley, Old Wembley or the Millennium Stadium. So I've never seen them. Of the four playoff finals I've been to, I've been to all four of them. Not only have I not seen the win, I've not seen them score. Um, so it, well, te- technically that's not true because the last one got went to a penalty shootout. So I did see them score, but not in, in real time. Um, so in, in one respect, it's kind of okay because, um, we couldn't have gone in another respect, the fact that I couldn't go probably meant we would have done quite well. So maybe the end result would have been, you know, would have been where we wanted it to be. Um, but it, it's all immaterial because we, we lost a game of football on Tuesday night. Um, and it's, it's hard watching your. It's particularly hard watching your team lose a game of football on penalties. That's the thing that is quite hard to do because ultimately it has nothing to do with the. In this case, um, nothing to do with the 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 two hours of football that's been previously played because we were really really good, uh, and really deserved. I mean, we went into the game two uh, one down. Uh, we 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 conceded early on, so we were effectively three one down on aggregate, and we ended up winning the game two one to bring it to effectively three all on aggregate. So we played we played really really well, and we were by far the better team on the night. Now we were we were not the better team in the first game, but we were by far the better team on the night. Um, and I, I I could I make an argument for over the two legs probably deserve to go through, but the fact of the matter is when it's a, when it's it's still level at the end of two games, then you go to penalties, and our penalties were fairly pathetic. Um, so, but then what made it even kind of even trickier is that I'm not drinking at the moment. I've made a decision um, not to have a drink until uh, I'm in Spain, um, which will be next Thursday stroke Friday. Uh, and I say Thursday stroke Friday because I know I'm arriving on Thursday, but I don't know whether I'll have a drink on Thursday or wait till I have a drink on Friday. So, and that will be 31, 32 days. So what you know, what um, Alice and I occasionally do is we, we when we go on holiday, particularly when we go on holiday in May, for some reason, don't ask me why, um, we say, do you know what, let's have a month off, off alcohol before we go and then we'll enjoy a glass of wine when we get there. And we work 31 days back. And, you know, so whatever day it was on Tuesday night, uh, day 22, I think it was, um, then it was watching that game and it was not having a beer. But what I have done occasionally through this is I've had a, a zero alcohol beer and I had a zero alcohol 
Doom Bar. So I was in I was in London, and I was staying in a hotel in Covent Garden, or just outside of Covent Garden. And I went to the the Tesco Express in Covent Garden, and they had a zero point zero Doom Bar. So I had a a Doom Bar, and uh, and I've always liked Doom Bar. This is the this is the ale that comes from um, the brewery in Rock, uh, which is across the water from Padstow. And I didn't realise they did a zero, and I I had it. And the the weird thing is, it kind of tastes like beer. It it doesn't because the alcohol gives it the edge that's the bit that makes it really t- taste like beer. But it kind of tastes like beer. Um, so you kind of just about fool yourself into the fact that you think you're doing something that would, in no- in normal terms, be something that was relatively normal. But you're not actually, you know, you're not actually cheating on what you're trying to do. Now, I could go two ways on this. This, this this takes us into vegan sausage roll territory. That if you're having a vegan sausage roll and you're, say, a meat eater, why are you doing that? Why? Because it's just not the same. And if you're having a vegan sausage roll because you're not eating meat, then why are you doing that? Because why are you replicating a format of something that's, let's face it, I mean, a sausage roll is a delivery mechanism for sausage. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Um, you know, uh, it's a it's a delivery mechanism for for pork mincemeat really so that's that's kind of what it is so why would you use the same delivery mechanism for you know i don't know what goes into a vegan sausage roll um I, I, in fact i wouldn't even like to speculate but um but but you're using it as you, you know it's the wrong i mean you could pick another delivery mechanism surely for whatever it is that you're Anyway, we'll go off that one for a minute. But so that's the kind of the, the, the slight downside with zero alcohol beer is it's a delivery mechanism for alcohol and you're not having the alcohol. Um, but in that moment when I needed something to make me feel like I was having a beer watching the football, it just, it just about, just about managed it. Thursday. So Partygate is finished. Um, certainly as far as the Met Police are concerned they've closed the inquiry 126 fines have been issued to just under 100 people Uh, the Prime Minister has received one fine which I still don't quite understand uh, because with the coverage of what we've seen the event he received a fine for seems to be um, the I guess the least uh, sort of egregious um, which I think is and I don't think I've ever used that word on, on TFM. Um, but it seems to be the least egregious of the particular examples um, of what went on in Downing Street. So I'm not quite sure about that, though I've got a sneaking suspicion there will be something in there about definitions, about definitions of the fact that it's a workplace and a house. And I think they will have had to take both definitions in consideration. And obviously the fines relate to different points in time where there were different bits of guidance in force so therefore, um, depending on the guidance that was in force and depending on whether they decide that it was a workplace or uh, somebody's home, then that will have affected... Um, I mean, I think the garden one, I think technically at the point in time when that went on, there was something that allowed you to have gatherings in your garden, I think. I, I don't know if we'll ever get a summary of the guidance that goes into the individual um, um, sort of instances i would imagine not because i would imagine if it it would be open to a lot of scrutiny interpretation and i imagine it's been interpreted in a very very particular way um my guess would be the 126 is the bare minimum um under the interpretations that the met have used but 
I could be wrong there, so I need to be careful about saying that. That's just a suspicion. Um, now, does that make me a, con a conspiracy theorist? In this instance, it probably does. But just because you're a con you know you're considered a conspiracy theorist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong. Um, so I'll I'll go either way on that one. Uh, though I never thought I'd actually say out loud that I thought I was a conspiracy theorist because I still don't see that one. But anyway, we'll 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 crack on. Um, what's interesting is that whichever way you interpret the 126 fines, whatever whichever way you interpret the severity of what happened, what we do know is that a prime minister who stands up in the House of Parliament and says all rules were followed at all times, that means somewhere along the line, um, whether he's lied. He's certainly tried to paint a situation that isn't the same as the interpretation of the Met Police. And I don't think there's anything in that statement that can be argued with. Um, I guess we're in a situation where the definition of a lie is, is, is what will be relied on um, by the Prime Minister um, in the situation of you know, him being able to say, I didn't lie to Parliament. Um, and of course, we're then into interpretation and we're then into definition and then we're, you know, we're into that wonderful space where the word reasonable has been something that has earned lawyers a ridiculous amount of money over the years. So um, I, I can go a number of ways with where we are here. Um, I do wonder whether we were getting into a bit of party gate fatigue. Um, and I do wonder in that respect, and this does sound terribly conspiracy theory-esque, uh, theory whether the amount of time it's taken to conclude this particular inquiry uh, has, has done its job in that respect. Um, because the one thing that it has done is taken a long time to get to the number of 126. And had that number of 126 been reached in very short order, then we might have been in a, in a different point in a different place. But... The, it will move on. It hasn't finished. We've got the next phase of this to go. We've still got the Sue Gray report, which I think probably will probably will be out in the next week to fortnight. Uh, so that's coming. That's coming fast down the track. And then there's also this parliamentary standards committee inquiry as well. So the stuff's still piling up. The question is whether it will have. In, I, I suppose it depends what you want out of it. If you want the prime minister gone, and I'm very much in the you know, the camp of he's done enough that means he shouldn't be where he is, uh, shouldn't be holding one of the great officers of state anymore, then I think you're going to be disappointed. If you think that this is enough to allow him to continue, but ultimately that the weakening of both the Prime Minister and the party is enough that the polls aren't going to change dramatically and we, we, you know, we we're going to get rid of them at the next election. That could also be very true. So um, I think I've got to start to be patient and just trust in the fact that ultimately this will build to a point where the electorate will make a decision and it won't be one that's favourable for this particular government. Um, it's going to be difficult for me to do that because it's two years away, but I'm going to have to start believing that's the, the right thing. I've said it on a number of times, I think this government's finished ultimately in the long term. And I don't think anything about what's happened this week um, saves them necessarily from that fate. Friday. 
I was chatting to um, a guy called Tom Ironside this week, and Tom Ironside works for the BRC, the British Retail Consortium. And I've been on Zoom calls with Tom over the last couple of years, but we've never really met. And we had a really nice chat. We happened to be down doing an event at their building in, in Covent Garden, and which is a spectacular building. It's actually the building that used to be uh, where the really useful theatre company were based. And they've done a great job of, uh, of renovating this building. It's an old school. And I, I happened to meet Tom, who was who was trying to eat his lunch when we all barged into the kitchen to have our kind of um, our, our our buffet lunch um and we got to talking a little bit and we touched on politics and and I guess back to what I said a few moments ago we've we got into that conversation about whether we thought um you know that that this government had any chance at the next election. And we both were of the opinion that that it's kind of broken, but not for the reasons. I mean, there was the build, there's the build-up of everything. Um, but, but we're both really thinking that they're going to carry the can for cost of living, and cost of living is brutal. Um, it, and, and, and it's going to be really, really, really brutal, and there is no way around it. Um, you know, we've got... We've got the the early stages, which are all about fuel costs, and that's hitting home very, very hard and very, very quickly. And then we've got everything else that's going to follow because the the nine percent inflation that was released this week and it isn't going to be where it's going to peak is going to really start to hit home in the back end of the summer and into the autumn period. And then at some point, the inevitable raising of interest rates is going to work its way through into mortgage payments because wh- whichever way around you look at it there's going to be that delayed situation where everybody who's on fixed rate mortgages, and that's a high proportion of the population, um, they're going to have to renegotiate those mortgages at some point. And the chances are, looking at where we're looking, which is looking like a two or three year scenario to resolve at the, at the very least, means that those fixed rate deals, as they go up one, two, three percent, um, that's really going to hit home because people who are getting on to the end of their two, three, four year fixed deals when they renegotiate suddenly look at a major, major lift. And of course, you could you could then stay off fixed rate. You could then go to variable rate, working on assumption that if you think that the interest rates aren't going to get any higher than three, four, five percent, you might say, well, tell you what, I'll just live with it for the time being. And of course, the beauty of living with it is that it will come down far quicker. Most people like the security of knowing what it's going to be. So most people will sign up to fixed rate again, even if it's higher, which then locks you into that fixed rate for a period of time. And of course, the other thing about this is that incumbent governments always carry the can for situations like this. They they just do. It's just part of the deal. You know, the winter of discontent gets you a Thatcher government. You go back and you you look at what major carried and part of majors uh, can that major carried was everything around the high interest rates and the debacle around the um the the ERM um you know Gordon Brown carried the can for what was a global banking crisis um and that wounded him badly and he was you know he was pilloried for that when that that what technically wasn't his fault. Now, it's not to say that these governments couldn't have done different, made different decisions to to maybe offset some of it. But the fact of the matter is, the incumbent government carries the can for that, particularly if the incumbent government's been there a while. So, from a Tory's perspective, there's just no escaping it. There's a reason why Tory MPs are getting really animated on the back benches about cost of living because this will cost them their jobs, and we know it'll cost them the jobs because what we've seen so far cost five or six hundred Tory councillors their jobs at the local elections. 
Um, it was great to see Tom. Really nice to 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 actually have a chat with somebody you've seen on on a, on a Zoom screen. And interesting that his his take on it was quite similar because he's a he's I guess a bit like me. He's a fairly balanced guy who would probably take a centrist Tory or a centrist Labour PM. Might moan about one or the other, and in the way I would moan about a centrist Tory, but would we'll probably take that as being you know a reasonably stable period of of government in the fact that. You know, I could hold my nose and say exactly the same thing. So uh, interesting to have that chat. Um, we've got to the end, uh, which means it's going to go out, which means we, we've, I've, I've made it. I've managed to make something this week. I'm, I'm quite surprised how easily it's come together this morning, bearing in mind how difficult it was It was being last night. Um, uh, I've, I've changed a couple of the topics around a little bit, but it still just seemed to flow this morning in a way it wasn't flowing last night. I hope, you, I hope you're well. And uh, yeah, next time I speak to you, I guess I'll be in Spain uh, and I may even have a glass of wine in my hand uh, if everything goes to if everything goes to plan. If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.